man, I'm excited to preach to you guys tonight. It's good to have uh, Mr. Kyle Rivera back with us after he went to the Bahamas and uh, visited the land of Bob Marley. God bless him. So Exodus 3 and verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock. My, my, bishop. Somebody shout, bishop. Say, see? Now when Moses was tending the bishop flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, he led the flock. I mean, this is too good. He led the flock back to the desert, in a desert place. And he came to the mountain of God. In verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the, of the bush. And so he looked at it, and behold, the bush was burning with fire. Burning bush ministries, my, my. The bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will not turn aside and see the great sight. Why does this bush does not burn? In verse 4, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him in the midst and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. In verse 5, he said, Do not draw near to this place. Take the sandals off your feet. My, my. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face and was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the impression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Verse 8, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Can I get an amen? Now let's look over at chapter 4 here in Exodus in verse 1. It says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me. Now this, this part right here is after God had got done talking to Moses about how he was going to free God's people, how he was going to use him to free uh, the people of God. Moses, he wasn't always a faith man, and this is what he said to God, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. And suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. In verse 2, this is a key verse for tonight. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A rod. Y'all didn't get that. <laughs> you got to get it by the end of the service. In verse 2, So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? My, my. Let's, can you underline that in your Bible, please? What is that in your hand? Let's look at Ecclesiastes. You know, if you can get something out of the Old Testament, you can get something. If you can get manna from heaven in the OT, then you're doing something right. Ecclesiastes 9. We'll let you find that. Maybe you don't read that every day. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. And it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or no device or no knowledge or no wisdom in the grave where you are going. Sobering. But let's focus in on the first part of that verse. Verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, 
do it with all your might or with all your strength. Amen? Now let's look back here at Ecclesiastes 3. One last verse, Ecclesiastes 3. And we're going to get going here. The title of my message tonight, if you're taking notes, which you have a 85% better chance of making it to heaven if you do have some notes on tap. The title of my message is, What's in Your Hand? Look at your neighbor and say, What's in Your Hand? Look at your other neighbor and say, What's in Your Hand? So we're going to be talking about what is in your hand tonight. And uh, just a little quick recap. Uh, before we left on the mission trip, we talked about vision. How many remember that? We talked about vision. And we talked about the title of the message that week was, What Do You See? And we're going to kind of be going along the same lines of that tonight. We're going to be talking about the plan that God has for your life, the purpose, the destiny that God has for your life. Uh, but we're going to kind of go at it from a different angle. And we talked the other week about vision, and we talked about what do you see. And some things we said the other week about vision is without a vision, it says in the Bible, my people perish. So without a vision for your life, you're perishing. And we talked about this, that it's, it's not so much important that you think up a vision for your life, but you get a vision for God, from God for your life. Because that's what matters. And we called it, what do you see? Because you've got to see the way God sees you. You've got to see your future the way God sees it. And that's the only way you've got to get into the vision that God has for you. You have to see what he sees for your life. Not see what your parents have for your life. Not see what your friends have for your life. Not see just what you in your brain could think up for your life. But see what God sees for your life. And that's the only vision that's worth pursuing. Is a God-given vision. And if you can't see what God sees for your life, you can't have what God has for your life. You have to see it. And so we talked about vision and the importance of seeing what God sees for your life to fulfill that plan or that purpose that God has put on your life. And of course, we dealt with a lot of things the other week about uh, how to get a vision, to spend time to get a vision, and about being patient that everything that God has told you will come to pass. Amen? So tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit along the same lines, like I said, but we're going to be talking about what's in your hand and you need to realize this there is a plan all, all these words are pretty much the same plan, purpose, destiny, whatever you want to call it vision but there is a, a purpose for your life each one of you in here you need to realize this there is a purpose for your life you have a purpose you're not here on accident you need to know that you're not here on accident whether your parents knew you were coming or not, you were not an accident. God knew you, knew you would be here. God planned before the foundations of the world when you, would, when you would come to the planet. And God had a plan for your life. And so you need to realize you have a purpose, you have a plan, and you're not an accident. You need to realize that because a lot of people uh, on the planet, some of them think they're accidents because their parents tell them that, their brothers and sisters tell them that, uh, their government tells them that because you can abort people. Like, it was, it was just an accident, so we'll just get rid of you. No, 
each person that's ever got aborted has a plan and had a purpose for their life that somebody decided to abort. It doesn't matter how you got here. If you were here, that means God meant for you to be here and there's a purpose on your life. Whether your parents were married or not, whether something happened bad and you were somehow born in that situation, God had a purpose for your life. And the only reason you're breathing on this planet is because God has a purpose and a plan for you to do something with your life. And you are here for a reason. You need to know that. You need to wake up every day and realize you're, you are breathing oxygen because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not just here to take up space. You're not just here to just go through the motions and, and live like you're just a bunch of uh, cattle that don't mean anything or a bunch of sheep that are just uh, wandering aimlessly. There's a purpose and a reason that you're on this planet. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time, and He has also put eternity in their hearts. Notice that He has made everything beautiful in its time, and God has put eternity in their hearts. Do you realize everybody on the planet, saved, unsaved, has eternity in their hearts? Everybody, whether they admit it to you or not, whether they bring down their barrier of pride or not, they have eternity in their hearts. That means God has put something in each person's heart that knows that there's something more than this life. He's put something in everybody's hearts that knows that there's something bigger than what they're living for. He's put something in everybody's heart that realizes there's so much more than what I'm experiencing. Saved or not saved, they have eternity in their heart because God put that in them. And he put it there on purpose so they would seek after him. There's emptiness in everybody on the planet. Until they come back, back into contact with their creator, they're empty. Why? Because he put that in their heart. He put eternity in each one's heart. And until they come back into contact with the creator, they will not be fulfilled. They will not be at peace. And they will keep searching. But God put that in there on purpose so his creation would search after him. And each person, I, I tell you, saved or not saved, they know that there's something missing. In the Amplified Bible, it says, God has put a divinely implanted sense of purpose in everyone. Everybody on the planet, God has put a sense of purpose in their life. Whether they know God or not, that's in them. That they know that there's something bigger than what they're living for. They know they want to do something with their life. They know they don't want to waste it. They want to do something for somebody else. They want to affect somebody. They want to make a difference. You know, sometimes there's unsaved people that do more than church people do. Why? Because they have that sense of purpose. They know they, they got to do something. I got to help somebody. I got to reach out to somebody. Why? Because it's in them. That purpose that God put in their heart, they know that there's something more than what they're living. They know there's something after this life. Some people don't know the, the true answer yet, but they're searching for it. And so God has put a divinely implanted sense of purpose in every person. You've got to realize that. He's put a divinely implanted sense of purpose. You talk to anybody. You talk to the homeless guy on the street 
and he might seem like he has no hope and he has no purpose, but if you really talk to him, there's something in him that knows there's something more than what he's living in. He knows that there's, he was meant to live for so much more than what he's living for on the inside. He might not be walking in it, but it's in him. Why? Because God put that sense of purpose and he put that eternity in everyone's heart. You need to realize you were meant to make a difference. You weren't meant to just live here, take up space for 80 years, and die. You need to realize that. Because <laughs> that's what a lot of people do. They live here 70, 80, 90 years, and they take up space, and they die, and they don't do anything. They don't do anything for anybody else. They don't do anything for their family. They live and die, and they wasted their life. You can waste your life. A lot of people do it all the time. Why? Because they never figure out what their purpose is. They know it's, it's in there somewhere, but they never figure out what their purpose or the plan that God has for their life. And you got to realize, it's not enough to know that you have a purpose for your life. The only way to realize what your true purpose and plan, are, plan is, is you got to come into contact with your creator, with your maker. See, that's why it's not enough to just know that you have a purpose or have a plan and you need to make a difference. You won't realize what that purpose is until you come in contact with your creator you come in contact with your maker how many know when somebody designs something and they make something with their hands they know what they made what the purpose is for what they made and, and other people probably doesn't know sometimes these scientists or inventors when they make something the maker or the creator of the thing is sometimes the only one who knows what the thing he made was created for and you need to realize that you have a maker, you have a creator, and it wasn't just your mommy and daddy. It was God himself. And he sent you down here on earth for a purpose and a reason. And he's the only one who knows why you're really here. And he's the only one who can give you your purpose or plan. Why? Because he made you. And he's the only one who knows what he's called you to do. And that's why it's not, it's not good enough just to know that there is a purpose or a plan or destiny for my life. I need to know my creator. I need to know the maker who made me because he has a call on my life. Let's look back over at Exodus 3. You guys get anything tonight so far? Exodus 3. We're going to talk some t tonight about the story of Moses and when Moses was called. And Moses had a purpose and a plan that God had for his life. And um, we're going to see here in uh, Exodus 4 and verse 1. We read a part of Exodus 3, but pretty much Exodus 3 is God speaking to Moses. We all know the story of the burning bush. And God spoke... Uh, to Moses about he had called Moses from the time he was born to be a deliverer and his his job was to l deliver God's people out of Egypt or to deliver God's people out of the hand of the enemy and God had purposed that for Moses since he was a child before he was even born God had called Moses to do that 
And we see here God was speaking to Moses and telling him this wonderful purpose and plan, but Moses was doubting what God said about his life. In verse 4, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice, and suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Because God told Moses right here that I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And if they ask you who sent you, say, uh, I am that I am sent you. They'd be like, okay, who's that? A God sent me. And so Moses is kind of freaking out here because uh, how many know you can't see God? Because uh, God's a spirit. He, he doesn't have a physical body. And so they're going to say, well, where, where's he at? Where does God live at? Where does this I am that I am live at? Does he live down by the Red Sea? Or does he live in Egypt? Or wh- where does this guy live? And so you can see how Moses could be a little frightened to go into the Pharaoh's court or the king's court and say, hey, God told me this, Pharaoh, let my people go. That would be like us walking up to President Obama and demanding something of him and saying, God told me to do this, President Obama, and you need to give me this, this, and this. That's a big deal. And so he's going to go and talk to Pharaoh, and we see here Moses is kind of freaking out, and he says, well, what if they say the Lord has not appeared to you? In verse 2, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, what is that in your hand? Now, you guys need to listen to me here. There's two different things I want to talk about here is the purpose that God has for your life and the calling or the gifts that he's given you to fulfill that purpose. And so you need to think about it this way. The purpose that Moses had to be a deliverer to be somebody who freed God's people was something God put in his heart. But the callings or the gifts that God gave him to fulfill that purpose is what he put in his hand. Stay with me. And so God used what was in Moses' hand to fulfill the purpose that was in Moses' heart. You with me still? And so number one, if you're taking notes tonight, God will use what's in your hand to fulfill what God has put in your heart. My, my. God will use what's in your hand to fulfill what God has put in your heart. Notice, Moses had the big dream, I'm going to be a deliverer, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And that's what God put in his heart, but God had to get real practical and say, you know how you're going to fulfill that purpose that I put in your heart? What's in your hand? What's the gifts, the callings, the talents, the graces, whatever you want to call it, what are those things that I've called you to use? Because those are connected to fulfilling your purpose. What's in your hand? See, a lot of us don't see that. What's in your hand is connected to fulfilling what God has put in your heart. And we overlook that, and we wait the rest of our life to do something, trying to fulfill our purpose. And God said, I put something into your hand. Use what's in your hand to fulfill what I put in your heart. 
but you're looking for something big. You're, you're looking for me to part the Red Sea, but you're not willing to use what's in your hand. And God will use what's in your hand to fulfill what's in your heart. That's the thing. We need to get real practical about fulfilling the purpose or the plan that God has put into your life. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Because we got so many young people, even older people, that, that talk a big game about their purpose, their dream, their vision, and they live and die and do nothing with their life. Because they never use what God put in their hand because they just look over it like it's ordinary or this is not a big deal. But what's in your hand is what God's going to use to fulfill what's in your heart. And Moses, his purpose was to free God's people. The reason we overlook it because, notice, he said, what's in your hand? And he said, a rod, a stick, something he used to herd sheep is what God was going to use to free his people. That doesn't make sense to the natural man. You're going to use a stick for herding sheep to free God's people. And God says, yes. Why? Because if he uses what's in Moses' hand, guess who gets the glory? Not Moses. God gets the glory. And you've got to realize this. God will use what's in your hand, and what's in your hand will always be ordinary. Are you guys here tonight? You're awful quiet. What's in your hand is usually always going to be ordinary. Can I say that? Because a lot of us in here are overlooking what's in our hand. Why? Because it's really ordinary. It's really natural. It's just like a stick. It's just like a rod. And you say, God, I don't know how you're going to use this. But notice, when you use what's in your hand, God changes that thing that's ordinary and lets it you do the extraordinary but you got to use what's in your hand he's not going to make you use it but it's a promise if you use the ordinary thing that's in your hand God will turn it into something extraordinary now let's read down here what he said in verse 2 so the Lord said to him what is that in your hand and he said a rod in verse 3, and he said, God speaking to Moses, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground. It became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. In verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And reach out, he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand again. In verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, has appeared to you. So God used the ordinary stick that Moses had to do something extraordinary. And I feel this so deep, that's why I'm going to keep repeating it. Usually what's in your hand is ordinary. But when you put it in the control of God, something extraordinary happens. You know, if Moses just would have stayed there holding the stick, nothing would have happened. But when God told him, you use what's in your hand, you throw it down, something extraordinary and supernatural happened. If you know anything about the story of Moses and God's people, uh, Moses kept that rod with him for the rest of his life. And he had to use it more than once. So this is not a one-time event in your life that you're going to say, God, I want you to use this. This is an ongoing thing for the rest of your life. He's put something in your hand, and it's not a one-time use. 
You know, he used it when he went to uh, the Pharaoh and he threw down his rod and it became a serpent. And of course, the, the rest of the people, uh, the so-called magic, magicians and wizards or whatever you want to call them, they threw down their stick and they, their, their rods turned into serpents. But Moses' rod ate the rest of their serpents. And we know when he came out of Egypt and God's people came to the Red Sea, guess what Moses used again? The rod. Okay, you holding a stick up over your pool, the waters are not going to part. Okay? I could go down to the Ohio River all day with a, a, a stick in my hand. The river's not parting. Why? Because a, a stick's ordinary. A rod's ordinary. But when you let God use it, it becomes extraordinary. It becomes supernatural. Are you guys getting anything tonight? I, I can't tell if you're getting anything or not. You understand what, what I'm saying tonight? And he used that same rod to part the Red Sea. He said, lift up, lift up that rod that you've been using, that thing that's in your hand to fulfill what I put in your heart. And notice they, they parted the Red Sea and they went to the other side of the Red Sea. So that thing that God put in his hand, he used for his glory. You notice when, when Moses just had it, it was just a, a stick or a staff, a rod. But when God started using it, they started calling it the rod of God. Because he chose to use what was in his hand to fulfill what God had put in his heart. So let's get real practical about this. Because I know a lot of people talk about plan, purpose, destiny. And it's real abstract. It's real random. It's like, you know, if God wants me to do that, I guess I'll just do it someday. Or... You know, everything that happens to me is the will of God. So if I'm a loser with the rest of my life, then it was just the Lord's will for me to live and die and do nothing. Completely false. Because <laughs> there's a God side and there's a man side. Your job is to give God what's in your hand. His job is to fulfill what he's put in your heart. But unless you let him use what he's put in your hand the thing that's in your hand is pointless and powerless and it will stay ordinary the rest of your life so let's get real practical what's in your hand what's in my hand is not what's in your hand and you're saying that's duh it's a microphone and I don't have a microphone in my hand no it's more than that what's in your hand real practical what gifts do you have what graces are on your life? What talents did God give you? And don't say, I don't have any talent, I'm a loser, because God gave each and every one of you something specific to do. He's given each one of us gifts. They're different from each other. Nobody's more important than anybody else. We're all different. And he's given us all gifts, whatever you want to call them, gifts, graces. Sometimes it says in the Bible, talents. He's given each one of us that. So what is that? Because that's what's in your hand. And a lot of times it's just very ordinary, whatever that is. But when you put it into God's hand and put it into God's control, that's when something supernatural happens. So real practical, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? That's what God has put in your hand. 
And can I say this? Please do not live and die and work a job that you hate with all your guts. Please. Please. I beg of you. Please do not waste your life. And I know some of your parents have done that. I'm just going to say it straight up. Some of your parents have, have worked at a job that they hated for 40 or 50 years. God bless their heart. Hey, that's real talk. Don't waste your life. What are you passionate about? I know sometimes, can I say this is some godly wisdom, sometimes you might need to temporarily work somewhere or do something for a temporary time period until you get into your purpose or your plan that God has for you. Can I say that? So don't get discouraged if you're not where you want to be right now. But I'm just saying, don't stay there forever and settle. What are you passionate about? What are the gifts and talents you have? There's so many people working dead-end jobs that have so much gifts, so much talents, so much grace on their life to do something great for God, but they're stuck there for the rest of their life. And it's not God's fault, it's theirs. Because they won't use what God has put in their hand. And just like Moses, why Moses was about to not use what was in his hand. Why? Fear. Fear. Straight up fear. I'm too real tonight, but it's the truth. Fear. What are you passionate about? Please don't work somewhere or do something with your life you're not passionate about. Don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do it. I see so many people doing that. Don't do it. You know why? Because if you're not passionate about it, you're going to be a bad worker anyways. You're not going to do a good job at wherever you're working anyways. So for your employer's sake, quit, for goodness sakes, and do something you're passionate about. Because they're wasting money paying you thinking that you're passionate about your career when you're not and you hate it. Don't waste your life. And like I said, some, some of you in here, don't get discouraged. Sometimes you've got to do something temporarily before you step into your purpose. Okay? Apostle Paul. Okay, he, he was called to preach the gospel, but it said he made tents for a while. Okay. Scriptural reference. The Apostle Paul, who was called to preach full-time, even he did something temporarily that wasn't necessarily his so-called call. Why? Temporarily, why he was getting started to fulfill his purpose or plan. He made tents for a while. Why? To fund himself for, for the first part of his ministry. So don't be discouraged if you're not where you want to be at right now. All I'm saying is don't settle and don't stay there the rest of your life. Why? Because God has put something in your hand, and unless you use what's in your hand, you will never fulfill that purpose that he's put into your heart. So what's in your hand? What's your passion? What's your gift? What's your talent? What's the grace? And it's not, it's not the same for us. I know Brother Amsey, his passion is music. So if he doesn't do something with music, he's not using what God has put in his hand. And so he can't complain to God at the end of time about not fulfilling the purpose that he put into him if he didn't use music, which was what he put in his hand to fulfill what was in his heart. Some of you guys in here, I know you, you're called to be business owners. and You're called to make money for the kingdom of God. That's what he's put in your hand. 
And if you just, you just stay at some other company for the rest of your life because you're afraid to leave for money and you won't step out and start a business that God has called you to start, you will never fulfill the purpose that's in your heart. Why? Because he put something in your hand to be a business owner when you're working for somebody else the rest of your life. I'm, I'm just straight up talk tonight. So what's in your hand? Because God will use that to fulfill what's in your heart. Number two, you ready? This is Real Talk Thursday. Number two, stop making excuses. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> stop making excuses. Please stop putting your big butt into what God says. Please. If God's called you to do something, stop making excuses why you can't do it. If you couldn't do it, He wouldn't have called you to do it. Duh. Duh. For goodness sakes, if God has called you to do something, that means He's graced you to do it. That means He's given you the gift, the talent, the ability to do what He's called you to do. He's never going to call you to do something that he's not graced you to do already. So nobody can ever say to God, you called me to do this, but you're not going to help me do it. No, he wouldn't have called you to do it if he didn't already grace you or give you his ability to do what he's called you to do. So Exodus 4, in verse 10, notice this, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. And I am of a slow speech and a slow tongue. And Lord kind of got a little, a little strong with Moses. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have I not the Lord? In verse 12, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. Notice what Moses said. I can't talk. You called me to, to preach. You called me to lead people. And I, I, I can't talk right. I'm slow of tongue. I can't do this, God. And God said, who made your mouth? I think Moses didn't realize who he was talking to here. Moses, who made your mouth? Uh, you did, God. Can I not use your mouth to speak to the nations? And notice he says here in verse 12, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Why? Because what he had called Moses to do, he already had graced him to do it. He didn't say, go do this. You're, you're on your own, Moses. Go talk. I know you got problems. Go talk and go do this. No, he said, if you go do what I've called you to do, I will help your mouth and I will teach you what to say because I will give you the ability to do what I've called you to do. He's given each one of you a grace to do what he's called you to do. So number two, stop making excuses. A lot of you in here, including myself, I've made excuses, you made excuses. And it's, it's, it's better that we deal with this before you get 40 or 50 or 60. If you deal with this right now, how much farther will you be than your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents were? 
fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life. Stop making excuses because a lot of you in here are making excuses why you can't do what God already called you to do. And He has graced you. He's given the ability to do it. Stop making excuses. Stop being like Moses. God had to talk straight to Moses to say, who made your mouth? Who made all of creation? Can I not help your tongue? Like, that's a big deal for me. I made the whole entire universe, and I can't help you talk right in front of people. So stop making excuses. If, you, if he called you to do it, he has graced you to do it. Realize that everything that's in your life, if he's called you to do it, he's graced you to do it. Philippians 4.13, we all know this verse. It says, I can do all thanks through Christ who strengthens me. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or, or gives me the ability to do it. You need to realize this. God has graced you. He's given you ability. And for anything he's called you to do, you need to remember this verse. I can do it. Because he's called me to do it. And the word says, I can do all things through him not you, through him who gives you the strength or ability to do it. So remember that verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So number two, stop making excuses. Number three, the last thing we're going to deal with tonight. You guys get anything so far? Actually, let's look over at Proverbs 20. So number one, God will use what's in your hand to fulfill what's in your heart. Number two, stop making excuses why you can't do what God's called you to do. And number three, the last one, be faithful where you are. Proverbs 20 and verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Some of y'all just got blessed. A couple people. He said, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, or pretty much brag about themselves. But who can find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful man, or who can find a faithful woman? And we know Proverbs was written by Solomon, the most wise man that ever lived. And he realized that it's hard to find faithful people. Not everybody you run into is faithful. Majority of people you run into aren't faithful. And he said, but who can find a faithful man? Now let's look over at Matthew 25. Matthew 25 and verse 23. Matthew 25 and verse 23, it says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Notice this, You have been faithful over a few things. I will now make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. 
Notice that. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many things. So number three, be faithful where you are. Like I said, first of all, we talked about what's in your hand. What's your gift, your talent, your passion? What is that? Number two, stop making excuses why you can't do or you can't use what he's put into your hand, your gift or your grace. But number three, so what we talked about a little bit earlier, be faithful where you are. And I think we could all say this in here, including myself, we're not where we want to be, but we're definitely not where we used to be. (laughs) And of course, if you ever say, I'm where I want to be, then you need to go on to heaven. Because uh, God always has something better for you to do. He always has a next step. He always has something greater for you until the end of your life when you're finished. And trust me, none of you are finished. You've got a long life ahead of you of things to do. So if you're saying, I'm right where I want to be, and I, I don't see anything that I need to do in my future, then go on to be with the Lord because you're taking up oxygen on this planet. <laughs> but what we talked about before, a lot of us are not really fully in our purpose or our plan where we want to be, but we need to be faithful where we are. In Proverbs it says, who can find a faithful man because they're hard to find? In Matthew it says, if you've been faithful over the little things, I'll make you ruler over many things. So we're going to just talk real, real, real for a second here as we close. If you're faithful over the little things in your life right now when nobody's really paying attention, then God will promote you to where you want to be. But if you're not, there's no promotion coming. See, a lot of us don't see the importance of the little things, and we won't be faithful with those things. We just want a worldwide ministry, but we won't be faithful to our ministry of health position. So God's not going to promote you anywhere. You can promote yourself, but you're not going anywhere. You're not stepping into your purpose. And let me say something else. Some of you who want to have businesses, you're not faithful to show up at your job on time. You're not faithful to be a good employee there. Why would God give you your own business? If you're not faithful over the little things that nobody's looking at, why would he make you ruler over many things? I got to say it. And I know some of you might be making excuses. I'm young. I can kind of do my own thing for a while. You know, the hard workers are the 40, 50-year-olds. I'm just kind of, you know, just uh, here for a temporary season, so I'm not going to give it my best. You're going to be there forever until you start being faithful there. And I said this a couple weeks talking about vision. Bishop is not called to be at Fire King for the rest of his life. But God is looking at Bishop if he will be faithful at Fire King. And if he's not faithful at Fire King, he's not sending Bishop anywhere to go preach. Real talk. So all this time that he's been working at Fire King is not wasted time. It's preparation time. And God is seeing, not just with Bishop, with all of us, if we'll be faithful in the place he's put us right now. Because if we're not faithful there, he's not going to promote us to the purpose he has for our life. 
Hello, somebody. So you've got to be faithful where you are. Some of you are going to school full time, and you're given a, a very apathetic, lazy work ethic to your schoolwork. If you're not faithful there, why would God promote you once you graduate? So you can go be lazy and apathetic at the next place you work. Wow, real talk. I know I'm talking to a lot of college students that like their sleep and like to delay their homework. Hey, myself included. Please go look at my Portland Bible College classes. I like to procrastinate. I like to delay things to the last minute. And then some. We won't ask you how late my Ehud paper was. <laughs> I had to pick a, a judge out of the book of Judges and Ehud. Man, that brother, he just, he sat on the back burner for a long time. Wasn't Ehud the one who cut the guy's stomach open? Come on, and all his guts came out. That was awesome. <laughs> so, be faithful for where, where you are. You know, when we talked about vision, we said, God's not going to give you your whole plan, your whole purpose, your whole vision for your life all at once. He's not going to give you a detailed description of the whole thing. He's usually just going to give you the next step. And let me tell you why God's just going to give you the next step. Some of you, the next step was God told you to go to college and what to take. That's your next step. Some of you, he told you to work a specific place. That's your next step. Two reasons why he just only gives you the next step and not the whole thing. First of all, he wants to see if you're going to be obedient to what he said. Once again, a no-brainer. If you're not obedient to what he said, why would he give you more steps that you can ignore? They would be pointless. If somebody I, I tell to do something and they keep not doing it, I would not give them more responsibility that they can forget about. So first of all, he's going to see that you're obedient to take that step. But number two, are you going to be faithful in the place that he puts you right then? Quiet in this Presbyterian church. Why? He wants to see if you're going to be faithful for where he puts you. Why? Because if you can be faithful over the little things, he'll make you ruler over many things. But if you can't be faithful, there's no promotion coming for you. And I know this is hitting, uh, hitting close to home for a lot of you in here, including myself. I just preach what God's preaching to me. Because I know some of you got some big plans for your life, but you're not being faithful for wh where you're at. And I don't want to see you come crying 20 years from now saying, I don't know what happened. You weren't faithful for where God put you, so there was no reason to promote you anywhere else. you got to realize this about Moses. God put a dream in Moses' heart when he was a child. And you know what? Moses herded sheep for 40 years in the wilderness. Do you, do you know that? It wasn't until like Moses was like 80 years old till he br brought God's people out of the, I mean, out of the uh, hand of the Egyptians. 80 years old. What was he doing there? Seeing if he was going to be faithful. Now, I'm not saying it's going to take you 80 years. 
But why did God let Moses, why didn't, why didn't he just say when he was 40 years old, go free my people, they're suffering, go free them right now. Why did he leave Moses in the wilderness for 40 years to herd sheep and to take care of his father-in-law's stuff? He was seeing if he was going to be faithful. Because if you're not faithful to take care of an animal, why would he put you in charge of all his people to bring him out of Egypt? Hey, if you can't take care of a sheep, why, why would you be able to take care of millions of people coming out of Egypt? See, people don't tell that part of the story. We just hit the highlights. And sometimes you read a Bible story and think that everything happened in a couple months. It was 40 years he was in the wilderness herding sheep, and God was proving him to see if he was going to be faithful. And notice once he proved that he could be faithful with sheep, faithful over the little things, God said, I can trust you to be ruler over many things. And he sent him, and he freed millions of God's people and brought them into the promised land. But first of all, he had to be faithful over the little things so he can make, make him faithful over many things. A quote from Dr. Dufresne. Dr. Dufresne, actually, he wrote a whole book called this. He said, faithfulness is the road to divine promotion. You write that down. Faithfulness is the road to divine promotion. Faithfulness is the road to divine promotion. You say you want to be promoted. You say you want to fulfill God's purpose. Faithfulness. You know, faithfulness is the things, things that people usually look over. Like people look over people like Brother Dale and Brother Les all the time, but they're faithful. And they wonder why they just keep getting promoted. And other people that are more flashier than they are or more outspoken seem sometimes more gifted than they are they're not promoted and Brother Les and Brother Dale are promoted and they're just kind of quiet in the background why? because those men are faithful so don't just look at the outside to see who's, who's being promoted because sometimes the loudest most uh, seemingly talented gifted people are not being promoted whatsoever they're promoting themselves but notice men like that they've been, been in the house of God 20-30 years faithful Faithfulness. God has continued to promote him, promote him, promote him, promote him. And notice, it's not something on the outside that's real just flashy and, and everybody's just noticing them, but why they're faithful. Faithfulness is the road to divine promotion. Faithfulness is the road to divine promotion. So are you being faithful with where you are? I know some of the things I'm saying tonight are very sobering. But you need to hear it. I need to hear it. I only preach to you what God is preaching to me first. The reason I preach the, the message on vision and I preach this message about your purpose and what's in your hand is because I don't want you guys to waste your life. I don't want you to, to waste 10, 20, 30, 40 years and then figure out what you're called to do. Then start really using what God has gifted gifted you and graced you to do I want us to get it at an early age how much further along can we be 
Where can this church be if we have people like that? You got to realize some, some of your parents, they just won't get it. Just real talk. Some of them will. Some of them already got it. You know, like a brother Les, a brother Dale. They already got faithfulness. But some of your parents, they'll just live and die, and they'll be good people, godly people. Go to heaven. But they just don't get it. Real talk. Got to say it. But that doesn't mean you can't get it. I don't mean you need to dishonor your parents or talk down to your parents. You need to respect your parents and honor them. But sometimes even your parents can get in the way of what God has called you to do. Because sometimes God's telling you to do something and your parents are saying, hey, you need to go work here. You need to go to school here. You need to do this and that. And you need to, you need to receive what they say but realize that they're not God. Respect them the best you can but you need to realize, is this from God or is this just my parents or my friends trying to persuade me to do something? You know, everything my dad has told me to do or spoken something to me, you know what? It's already been confirmation on the inside, something God already said to me. So that's something to think about. When people are giving you advice and you don't feel any inner witness about it, you don't feel any peace, you don't feel any joy about what they just told you, I don't think I'd receive that. One last verse, Ecclesiastes 9. Ecclesiastes 9. You guys get anything tonight? Number one, God will use what's in your hand to fulfill what's in your heart. Number two, stop making excuses. And number three, be faithful where you are. I think you should have paid attention to all the points that we talked about tonight, but especially number three. And usually number three is the most overlooked at all those points. You know, something quickly to add is... Sometimes your character, I mean your gift or your talent. I'm going to go ahead and say it, Bishop. <laughs> your gift or talent, the thing that's more out in the open, will bring you, it says in the Word of God, before great men, it will bring you influence, promotion. But your character and your faithfulness will keep you there. need to remember that. Just because you're gifted and called, that can get you into some places. But there's a lot of people that got gifts and talents, but they have no character and they have no faithfulness, so they won't last. I mean, the, the thousands, and dare I say tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of preachers and ministers of the gospel around the world that can preach better than most people, but they're not in the ministry today. Why? Because they had a gift, talent, ability, but they weren't faithful. They had no character. Your talent and gift can get you somewhere but your character and faithfulness will keep you there can I get amen on that so Ecclesiastes 9 just read it one more time Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10 notice it speaks of what's in your hand but it speaks about being faithful with it and doing it with all you have Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10 whatever your hand finds to do do it 
with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. What he pretty much is saying there, whatever God's put in your hand, do it with everything you got. Whatever it is, whether it seems little, whether it seems big, whatever, do it with everything you have, with all your energy, with all your passion. Be faithful at it. Why? Because he's pretty much saying here, because life's short, and we don't have time to waste. So whatever he's put in your hand, do it with everything you got because you're not getting a second chance to do anything. You don't get to come back and live this life over and get a second shot at it. You get one shot, you get one life, and the Word of God says life is a vapor. Life is short compared to eternity. And he says, use what's in your hand and do it with all your might. Why? Because there's no returning after you've, uh, you've gone to the other side. So you only get one shot at that. And let's make it count. Can we make it count? This life? Let's make this life count. Amen? Would you guys get anything tonight? Well, let's just stand up.